You're listening to a Fit Plus Love production. So when we're going into Tokyo, a lot of the things I'm looking for is like just to learn from my Rio experience to make my Tokyo 2021 experience even better. And a lot of that has to do with like, A, remembering the type of athlete I am and like what my strengths are and knowing I have to race like me. I don't have to do race like anybody else. I think also just taking in the experience. With with Rio, we were like the second to last event and I was so focused on it, on my event, on triathlon, that I kind of like tunnel visioned my way to the race, was disappointed with my result. And then basically the Olympics were over and I was like, oh no, I missed, <laughs> like I missed it. <laughs> so I think just going into it with like, yes, like being super focused on my race, but also being aware that of how cool of an experience it is, how many people have involved, been involved to like get me there and just um, really be grateful for another opportunity to compete in my country, to compete with my community and my team and my husband. And like, I, I know there's no spectators, but I'm gonna have a special one in heaven for this one. So just having, I think the awareness of all of that. That was Katie Zafaris. This is Marnie Salop. Thanks for tuning into my podcast, Marnie on the Move. Each week, I will be inviting interesting, innovative movers and shakers to join me on the show and share their story. You will discover and hear from thought leaders, experts, influencers, and entrepreneurs from the worlds of wellness, sports, beauty, fitness, fashion, and more. Marnie on the Move will feature an eclectic mix of people I know, work with, and think are generally doing cool things. On each episode, I sync up with my guests about life, career, and training, and showcase their expertise and story. Hello, Marnie on the Move listeners. Welcome and welcome back. I'm your host, Marnie Salop. It is Tokyo Olympics week here on the pod. During today's conversation, I sync up with one of the world's top triathletes. Katie Zafaris on the U.S. Olympic triathlon team competing in the Tokyo Summer Games. We caught up a few weeks ago, just a couple of days after she placed on the U.S. team and was preparing for her journey to Tokyo. Before we dive into our conversation, shout out to my sponsors, Inside Tracker and Alchemine Supplements. Inside Tracker is the ultra personalized nutrition platform that analyzes your blood, DNA, and lifestyle to help you optimize your body from the inside out. They are my go-to for understanding my inner health, looking at my blood levels, and getting great nutritional insight. Inside Tracker transforms your body's data into meaningful insights and a customized action plan of the science-backed recommendations you need to reach your goals. Take control of your health and wellness. Unlock the power of your potential. Use our code for 20% off. Thank you, MOTM. And of course, there's a link in the show notes. Also, shout out to Alchemind Supplements and Dr. Daryl Joffrey. I am loving the Alchemind plant-based organic protein powder. It has three core alkaline proteins, Sacha Inchi, Pea, Hemp, and of course, it's sugar-free. It's been a great addition into my training and fueling. I'm also using their acid-kicking mineral mix when I'm out on the bike for hydration, as well as the acid-kicking greens in all of my smoothies. 
and their omega-3 and black seed oil supplements for inflammation and general health. Check out their website, getoffyouracid.com, and use our code MOTM20 for 20% off. Now, back to our guest. Katie and I are talking all things triathlon, training, nutrition, racing, and how she is preparing for competition on the world's biggest stage. Katie shares how she discovered the sport of triathlon. She talks about what it's like to travel all over the world for competition. And she even gives some details of her most unforgettable race locations and shares some of the mantras that power her through during tough conditions. Katie tells me the story of how triathlon led her to meet her husband and the beauty of getting to share her passion for sport with her loved ones. And of course, I asked Katie all about her specific preparation and training for Tokyo 2020 and what she is most looking forward to at this year's Olympics. If you like what you hear, leave us a review on Apple. It's easy. Head over to your Apple device or podcast app wherever you listen. Click on the Money on the Move podcast. Click on five stars and click on leave a review. Tell us what you love. Also, share this episode with your friends on social, wherever you like to get social. And don't forget, sign up for our newsletter, The Download. Now, on to my conversation with Katie. It's so great to have you on the podcast today. Thank you, Katie, for being here. It's a pleasure. Yeah, thanks for having me. So you are in France right now at a training camp for the Olympics. Yes, yeah. We I train with my coaches uh, based in Glasgow, Scotland. So, okay. And most of my teammates are international. Well, all of my teammates are international. So we base ourselves kind of around where either the race is or um, just where we like to train. So right now we're at high altitude in the Pyrenees. Nice, nice. And you're preparing for Tokyo, of course, which is so exciting. Congratulations. Thank you. Yes, I'm very excited. <laughs> you started triathlon, though. Let's rewind before we talk Tokyo and the Olympics. So you've been training and racing for eight years. You went to college in at Syracuse, which is you were doing track and field. So how did you get into triathlon from track and field? Yeah, so I mean... When I grew up, I was I always have grown up with different sports, and my parents got me involved in a lot of different ones. And I so I grew up playing soccer and swimming and playing lacrosse. But when I was in my high school, when I was in high school, my sophomore year, I decided, oh, I don't want to play lacrosse anymore. So I'm gonna run, run track to stay in shape for soccer in the fall. But my first year of running, it was quite good, and I ended up winning some Maryland state titles and. Ultimately, I never, I did go out for the soccer team and I, I wore the uniform, but switched on picture day to cross country. Um, so I never ended up actually playing soccer again and ultimately went to Syracuse University to run, but always had the background of swimming because I would have considered swimming my main sport. I was a YMCA like national qualifier. And so, okay, in the, in the grand scheme of things for swimming and so USA Triathlon, they have this program called the Collegiate Recruitment Program, and basically it recruits athletes who run Division One and have a background in swimming, and they identified me. So that was my main way to get into professional triathlon, though I guess now that I'm thinking about it, like my very first triathlon I ever did was 
after my senior year in high school, and it was with my dad on Father's Day. But oh, at that's that point, so cool. It, yeah, so it was actually, I guess yesterday was my anniversary for for triathlon. <laughs> That's great. So your parent, your dad's into sports too. Does he still do triathlon or? Um, unfortunately, he passed away this April. So oh, I'm that sorry. was a really hard, a really hard thing that we've had this year and has been a big challenge. But yes, he was very involved with uh, my triathlon career and has been there to celebrate a lot of the ups and be there to support and all of the downs. And he was like both my parents are they're very supportive and just really helping to guide without like pushing too strongly yeah. i would say that's a slippery slope with kids right like you have to kind of lead them but not push them and let them find their own way and get excited about a sport or something on their own yeah my parents nailed it i mean i'm yeah. very i'm very lucky very fortunate to have yeah them. and i mean especially you know my partner her family lives up in Casanova near Syracuse and I love training up there it's beautiful yeah one of the first triathlons I ever did was Casanova it had some big hills yeah (laughs) so I really love hills we just got back from a race this weekend yes uh, it was Sunday up in Connecticut I was saying in the beginning of our call before we started recording I mean it was only 2,000 feet of climbing but in you know the Olympic distance and also not having been really able to train all year I mean train yes but like there's no hills in New York that are like any remarkably equivalent to (laughs) Connecticut so it was so much fun getting out on the course and doing those hills and the crazy descents and crazy climbs I don't know do you love hills or are you more of a flat course person seeing that no, you're from like Cas. yeah you like hills I like I like the harder the courses I, I think it usually suits me right when the course is super challenging you're so, just super dialed in as opposed to kind of zoning out no I think it really does help like to be able to segment those races and have like oh this is like the hill then we're gonna go down then we're like and I like using the different um like how the course undulates, kind of using that to my advantage as like different focus points of like work your way up the hill, let yourself go down the hill. And yeah, so I agree. It definitely breaks it up to have those harder courses like that. And so since you're so adept at the hills, do you have any tips for other people that love to do the undulating hills and races? I would say one of them is to always make sure you ride over the hills because your competitors might get to the top of the hill and be like, oh, like, okay, I get to recover now. But you can get that little extra edge if you just push your way over the top and use almost push the use the downhill as like a place where you can still keep pushing rather than as a recovery but it does, it taxes your legs a lot. So I would recommend like finding those places to train that are hilly to get your legs ready for what they're about to experience in the races. Yeah, I think it's important to train the terrain. Yeah, and I like we do a lot of hills in our training program. So yeah. I think that's also why I feel a lot more comfortable with them in the races. Yeah, and I'm sure I mean, you're in the Pyrenees now. So I can't imagine that that's there's any flats. There's not many. There's, there's not much. <laughs> What's the triathlon course like for Tokyo? Because I don't totally know the uh, the course. 
Yeah, so for Tokyo, it's pretty technical. It has a bunch of turns in it, but also I think it's deceiving. Like if someone were to look at it, they might think, oh, it's pretty flat. But I think with all the different acceleration points and um, there's a part where you actually go downhill like under a tunnel and then you have to come up out of it. And um, I think just being doing that eight laps, because that's for us, our, our courses are... 40k but they're eight laps of 5k so just those things that you're repeating can end up taxing your legs quite a bit and that's kind of how the the bike course is the run course is pancake flat but one of the big things for Tokyo is just with the heat and um being exposed to the sun I mean our race is super duper early I was looking at the schedule today yeah so maybe it might be a little cooler but I I'm not planning on it being a cool race (laughs) okay so the run is flat the bike is hilly that's a great setup for success and the swim how is the swim uh the swim the water will be quite warm but shouldn't be like much wake or anything like that It's it's a pretty calm area I always like having the confidence that I've done that like the swim last year and my one of my favorite portions is like the dive back in so like the second lap um to to dive dive in and just get power off of that yeah so you and you still love swimming do you have like a favorite part of the race not really I think it really depends on the day I feel like over these years of doing triathlon I've transformed into a complete triathlete so yeah uh, depending on how my day is going depends on which one I like the most uh yeah but I think for training wise like swimming's not typically my favorite one to train for but um when it comes to racing and open water I I quite like it yeah I think I I was thinking about that this weekend because I started out as a runner in my athleticism you know I've always loved running I started on the track then I was doing one mile two miles and I you know did a marathon and you know the next thing you know I love running and then this summer because of COVID I just needed to really get out of the city and not this summer now, but, you know, last summer. And I, I started getting really into cycling and doing longer distance and more endurance on the bike. And I've kind of always wanted to be a better cyclist in general as, you know, somebody who's a triathlete. That's the one of the biggest parts of the race where you can get the most time. And I really got into it. And now I feel a little bit like I'm cheating on running, but I really love cycling and and swimming and I we we don't have any connection. We don't love each other. <laughs> but yeah. Not yet. Not yet. It's a I think it's like a lifelong practice for me with swimming. It'll always be there'll always be some hurdles in the water for me. Yeah. Yeah. Like this weekend my goggles. This is such a rookie move, but I was you know about I don't know like a third of the course out and I grabbed some old goggles because I haven't been racing. Stupid. I know I already know. I see you smiling. I'm like and I put them on and I had to cut like four pairs in transition. And I get down to the water and I'm like, oh, my goggles are foggy. It's probably just, you know, I'll clean them out when I get in the water. I haven't used them in like two years. <laughs> so I'm like swimming and they're foggy and they're still foggy and the sun's like in my eyes and I'm like buoy number two and then my wetsuit's really tight. And by buoy three, you know, we're like a third of the way out into the middle of a beautiful lake, perfect temperature beautiful day I can't see and I can't breathe (laughs) not a nice spot to be in (laughs) no you know and I'm like look I'm not a pro athlete I'm not going to the Olympics I can go back and just do this as a training race 
you know, when you get in those tough situations and like all the things are like flying off the rails, like how do you kind of like come back to yourself and keep going? I think just by breaking it down. I mean, I now I feel like having so much experience and being having done so many different races that have gone many different ways and had their own different challenges and successes. I feel like I've learned from each one and like listening to like the swim and for your swim, I'm thinking like, Oh, like what would I do in that situation? And like, if I couldn't, if I, if I couldn't see, I just pull my goggles off most likely or like down my neck. And, but like, but like there's different things in every race, I feel, which I think is one of my favorite parts of triathlon is just that it's so hard to have a perfect race in triathlon yeah. and which always gives you something to improve on. But it also, there's so many different parts of it that you can always take something good in no matter, yeah. no matter how, like, like you're like that part of the swim probably wasn't your favorite, but then like the bike part was like super awesome. Yeah. And so I, that's like one of my favorite parts about triathlon. It's just the variation. Yeah, I turned it around. I knew what I needed to do in that moment. I need to work on, if that happens, like swim with no goggles. Like, so what if you can't see? Like try to see a little bit, work through it. Like don't panic. Like you don't have to really have like crystal clear vision. You know, you can keep going. You're, it's a beautiful day. Like there's so many other great things. But in that moment, I didn't have that, that sense of, yeah. I feel like also you can, um, like sometimes I've like recently I've had swims that just haven't been my typical swims and I'm always like, okay, like one stroke at a time, one stroke at a time, or like just move up, like just find space. Like, and swimming is hard because like the anxiety of like being in the water with a lot of people can like just make it a lot more difficult to come back to that moment and, and to like relax (laughs) yeah it's true so what are some you've done so many races I mean you've traveled all around the world racing and training what are some of your favorite courses and places to to do triathlon well there's so many good ones it's really really hard to narrow down and I think I have different ideas for different ones but um Lausanne was an amazing race in 2019 and but I mean I also put I do put my result a little bit with that tie of um love for it but it was a beautiful really really tough course and it meant a lot to me because I ended up winning the world championship there and my my both my parents were there and Tommy my husband so it just holds a lot of meaning to me um Bermuda I love racing in Bermuda again the course is of course it's really tough and having family and friends that are that are there to um be a part of it is amazing and also like I like the places that you can easily explore beforehand like with your training so in Bermuda it'll be just like I mean Flora Duffy who's uh from Bermuda I asked her like where's a good place to run and so she told me about like the rail trail and Tommy and I did some of our prep runs on this on this really nice trail, did some of the open water swims and it just puts me in a good place, good feelings, good vibes before the race. So that then by the time the race comes, I also like the course, but I've also really gotten to enjoy the whole area that we have this opportunity to race in and give you another one. I could talk about this for like the next five days. So at least, okay, what's the next one? So I also like racing in Hamburg, Germany, Mm -hmm. uh, that atmosphere to race in is crazy the fans and like it's one of those places where 
like you actually can lose your spot on if you're like spectating on the race course because there's just so many I mean obviously right now with COVID it's different quite a bit different but in years past pre-COVID it just has this amazing atmosphere that is just really really energetic and can drive you in a race that's great anything in the U.S. Um, I haven't, I haven't raced in the U S for, for a very long time now. Wow. Um, <laughs> Cause most of our, most of our races happen outside of it. And many of the races that I've done like have been like yeah. I was telling you like, was when I was first starting triathlon. So in upstate New York, Casanova, which I loved, it's very beautiful. I mean, my, my one with my dad, especially now yeah. it was a, just a local race in Maryland, South Carol try to win. And I was like, to me, that'll be a very, very meaningful, that one, it's just always going to be a really, really special one to me. It's the first, first triathlon I did and just having done it with my dad multiple times. I really liked, we raced in Pacific Grove in California when, um, because Tommy, my husband's from there and we lived there for a bit. And that was also so beautiful because it's right along the coastline and, um, just really, really gorgeous area. Were you guys both doing triathlon and you met or you met before and you started doing triathlon together? Because I think like you were talking about relationships and family and being supported. I think for a lot of triathletes, there's a lot of training and a lot of time where you're not sitting at home with your family. So how do you, you know, that's kind of cool to be able to race and train with someone that you're married to, that you're in a relationship with. Yeah, so Tommy and I met in Tijavaris, Hungary at a race, at a World Cup race, and um, I was just very lucky that he also was from the U.S., and we really just hit it off then, and he at the time was racing. He's a professional uh, triathlete and had done the race. However, now he's transitioned out of of racing and competing, and now he trains with me and the rest of our group full-time, but... When we go to the races, he's actually a professional photographer and oh, cool. a social content coordinator. So, uh, no, he does, he's not racing, but he's still there. Like he knew he was going to the Olympics like two years ago, because as a as a photographer. And I found out like three days ago, no, last week. What has your training been like this past year in terms of getting ready for the trials? And obviously, you just qualified. You know, three days ago, you found out you were going. So, yeah. So my training, so last year we kind of took a step back a little bit and wanted to conserve a bit of mental and physical energy for 2021. And we had a great winter block of training, was building up and had just come to Europe um, at the end of to rejoin our group and really just get in a solid block of training. And then um, my dad passed away in early April. And so um, that really affected my training this year because I took, it's not typical to take two weeks off um at that point in the season but I prioritized my dad I like I prioritized being with my family and I never will regret that and so like after those two weeks we were coming back to Europe to train and get ready for Yokohama which was for us a world triathlon series race and it was also an automatic qualifier and it was a bit soon I think for me um as after just I, I wasn't I wasn't ready to race and like emotionally and probably physically too but and then after that that when that didn't go well then we had another race to prepare for so 
I would say the training up until yeah. um, now after Leeds wasn't really ideal. And it was kind of, we were doing the best we could, right. making the best decisions as possible. But yeah. now we are in the Pyrenees and have been since um, early June. And well, it's, not, it's really nice to just find a rhythm in training and do like, we have like a six week block of yeah. just hard training building. So like last week, I think I finished off with 27 hours of training and it was uh it was 26 hours of training and that's about six hours of swimming 12 and a half hours on the bike and 80k of running so nice with some good solid sessions in it so it was it's nice to find that rhythm back again so you're doing intense training and you're 26 hours and I'm sure that's not your peak week, right? Like you've got a, like some more peak weeks before the race, before the Olympics. No, that'll be pretty hours wise. That'll be pretty standard for us. Okay. Like at least for me um, personally, I don't, I don't get much higher than like, yeah, 26, 27 would probably be the highest that I would go. Um, the actual like hard sessions within that will change a little bit and become a bit more specific, but even um, they've even become specific to the races already where we're going to like the parking lot to do specific bike skills for the Tokyo race and making sure that we're doing the turns that the type of turns that we'll have so that when it comes to race day, we feel really confident that we've prepared really well for it. And then as we get closer to Tokyo, we'll also start doing more like right now we're doing altitude training excuse me. And then in a couple weeks, well, not a couple weeks, less than a couple weeks, we'll head down to Spain and we'll do heat training there. So oh, good. yeah, we'll start doing our heat prep to get ready for um, the temperatures that we expect in Tokyo. Speaking of heat and immediately like salt tablets come to mind, you can't take any of that stuff, right? I, no. I personally don't. Yeah. Um, I mean, anything is, everybody's responsible for whatever they put in their body. But right. for us, like, It'll be a lot more about just like preparing well for it, like definitely having like a greater salt intake leading into the race and um, make it like I'll have my gels and yeah. my hydration really fine tuned. And then on the race, on the race day, we're actually able to receive support through like, um, like cold, cold towels or things like that d- during the run so okay. that you can kind of cool off. Do you, what kind of nutrition do you use on the race course? Like, do you have a brand that you like that you might recommend or? Yeah. So I use UCAN. Okay. Um, I really like them. And with UCAN, I use them a lot more like pre-race because our race is so short. Yeah. And um, I yeah, you're out there UCAN. for like an hour. Yeah. So you have to make sure that you do, well, two hours, but <laughs> under two hours. Under two but, hours. Uh, yeah. But you have to make sure that the energy has already like started helping you (laughs) rather than take it during the race. And then by the time it starts, you're already done your race, which isn't ideal. So um, with UCAN, it's more pre-race, making sure that I'm like good to go, beginning of the bike type thing. And just really being uh, aware of drinking. And for me, that's something I need to practice because um, it doesn't come naturally. Like I could go during my during my regular rides I could go like a whole ride without drinking anything from my water bottle okay so yeah that's something I need to be intentional about so like we just had a session yesterday on the bike and I was like okay like make sure you take a drink like every five minutes just to to start practicing the nutrition is always challenging I had I didn't have a great day with nutrition just because my I'm out there for like three and a half hours 
I just think about all these things and I, I just have to rethink my nutrition. But I think what I've learned in the past year is like leading up to that race is so much more important than how much you eat during the race because it's not so much helping you as the pre-stuff. I do take gels on on the course that are a lot more fast acting. Yeah. And so I'll take, like for me doing an Olympic race, I'll have two water bottles, one with one with drink mix in it, hydration mix in it, and then the one with just water. And then two gels, one that I'll actually consume during the bike. And then the other one I rip off and I put in my suit and then I take it with me on the run so that I can take different like little sips of it while I'm actually running to oh, kind of get that sugar and because sometimes I think even if it's not especially for the run like it can also be just that like that taste of like oh this is something sweet like might bring you out of whatever <laughs> like yeah you're going in for the run and honestly sometimes I just like holding things yeah so for me just like holding a gel is um is beneficial so. I get it I but it's, see that. it's definitely something that I practice in training so yeah. that it comes more naturally in race. And then I also look at a race course and identify this is where I'm like, especially on the bike, because like you're saying, when you have people around you or technical parts of the race. So I always look at the course map to determine this is where I'm going to take in my nutrition. This And, yeah. and if I have that intent in my head, then I'm much more likely to actually do it. Yeah. I think that is very something else I'm going to think about because I have some 70.3s that I'm doing this summer. So this was like a great experiment for me. I had the luxury of not caring so much about my time in the race because of the swim situation. So I was just like out there to have fun, but I definitely wanted to at least do some kind of PRing on the bike. I knew the run was like going to be fine, but I didn't really, I didn't eat because I was just so excited about climbing and going down hills at like 40 miles an hour what about your nutrition now and throughout your training are you like what kinds of foods are you eating like are you you know thinking about your nutrition like in terms of carbohydrates and protein and like just staying healthy because you're doing if you're doing you know a 26 hour training week you need to eat a lot of food Yep. I eat a lot of food. Yeah. Um, but, um, and I work with a nutritionist yeah. and uh, Sean Spambauer and I really, really enjoy working with him because it's not about like how small can I get? It's yeah. just making sure that I'm fueling properly for my training sessions. And if I'm having good training sessions, then we're doing, we're doing it correctly. And he'll really help me from my off season to on season phase. Like yeah. when I need to really make sure that I'm getting back into the more, more healthy eating habits, but I would say I eat like super well-rounded. There's not really much that I like cut out or don't eat. However, my timing of things is really different. So like I'll start the day and have like more carbohydrates and then kind of as the day is done, it'll be more like veggies and protein based for dinner. Depending on your training um, load for the day. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. So the, the bigger the day, the more carbs and protein that I'll have and then um, like the easier day is more like veggie veggie and protein based what kind of stuff do you do for recovery like do you have any favorite tools that you use or massages that you get well I love massages so then I also love my out-of-day products because I also I have the bio six which is quite nice for your feet it's just like 
I, I really like feet massages. Like it's one of my like guilty pleasures. <laughs> so, so I love having that where it's just like kneading, kneading my feet around. And then I bring the percussion gun with me for all my yeah. travels. So that's always super, super good to have. And they have like the little travel one, which is helpful since we're always on the road. I always like like the balls, the smaller balls yes. to use. roll my feet again, but also I do a lot. My hamstrings are often um, super tight, so I'll always like sit on the ground and kind of roll my hamstring, roll my hamstrings back and forth with that. Yeah, my calves get super tight. Obviously, I'm sure you do strength training. Do you practice yoga or anything like that, as well as doing all the other sports that you do? Not, I, I mean, I like yoga, but I, and I do it more off season than yeah. I, and every now and again, when I'm just like, oh, like I want something different, I'll just kind of like go on YouTube and find a, find a session that I like. However, when I'm home, I work with a strength coach and, and actually even remotely, like when we were in Spain, I had my virtual strength with him yeah. where we were like adapting to the equipment that I had. So um, strength is more supplementary for my training. So it's not like a focus point, right. but it's just to help me be better swimming, biking and running. So yeah. like today I did a strength session and so it was about 45 minutes from start to finish. So, um, nothing too super involved. I, I definitely need to do some strength training in the fall. Not now, but yeah, I, I think it's like so important, but I do practice yoga. I love yoga. Yeah, oh, I nice. think it's been helping me with, again, cause I'm out there for so long. It helps after doing all the forward movement, just like sideways opening and all that stuff. So yeah, and just like centering yourself. Do you have any mantras or things that get you through when you need to really like push harder? Yeah, one of my biggest mantras that I use most often is I may not feel strong, but I am strong. I think that one just it it helps me from like before the race, during the race, every part, because I think a lot of the times you feel like, oh, I need to feel good to race well. But that's really not the case. You can have like, I've had really, really great races where right before the race, I'm like, oh, my goodness, I feel so tired right now. And then I have some of my best races. So that's a mantra that I use a lot. I'll use I'm ready. And I'll just also use like I am strong, I am strong and just kind of keep repeating that. I also tell myself I'm not the victim. <laughs> Sometimes that works during, I've used that one in training sessions where if I'm having like a hill, like I can remember specifically one of my hill workouts and I was just, my breathing was like super out of control. I was getting just like overwhelmed, like trying like too hard and not getting anywhere type thing. And I'm like, mm -hmm. Katie, like you're not the victim of this hill. Like this hill is not out to get you. Yeah. And like, as soon as I like reminded myself that and like came back to the moment, came back to my process, came back to what I was doing, I was able to like calm my breath, like my breathing went back to normal and I was able to like produce what I needed to do for that session. So um, anything to bring me back to the moment and yeah. know I'm able, I'm capable and everybody, everybody's hurting. Yeah. <laughs> so Like you're not the only one. Yeah. Right. Exactly. That's cool. We are very close to the Olympics and it's super exciting that you're going and that you've qualified and you're competing. What are you looking forward to? Not about the race, not about winning, but beyond that, like what kind of experiences are you looking forward to beyond the obvious? Yeah. So uh, for me, I think a lot of it has to do with my first experience in Rio and I went to the 2016 Olympics and I think that was a disappointing uh, performance and 
not even performance, but I was disappointed in myself for like the management of everything. So it was a really good turning point for me. I consider it like one of the best accelerators and just pivot points, I guess I would call it. So when we're going into Tokyo, a lot of the things I'm looking for is like just to learn from my Rio experience to make my Tokyo 2021 experience even better. And a lot of that has to do with like, A, remembering the type of athlete I am and like what my strengths are and knowing that like, I have to race like me. I don't have to do race like anybody else. I think also just taking in the experience with, with Rio, we were uh, like the second to last event. And I was so focused on it, on my event, on triathlon that I kind of like tunnel vision my way to the race was disappointed with my result. And then basically the Olympics were over and I was like, Oh no, I missed, <laughs> like I missed, missed every other, <laughs> other event. Yeah. So I think just going into it with like, yes, like being super focused on my race, but also being aware that of how cool of an experience it is, how many people have been involved to like get me there and just um, really be grateful for another opportunity to compete for my country, to compete with my community and my team and my husband and like, I know there's no spectators, but I'm going to have a special one in heaven for this one. So just having, I think, the awareness of all of that. Is that a big part of your why this year, having your father in mind while you're competing? Well, you know, kind of, because my dad, but not in the way that I think maybe people would think, because I, I at first thought, like, after my dad passed away, I was racing my next race. It was only a few weeks later. And I was like, dad's going to be here with me. Dad's going to help me. And then I realized after that race, I was like, I've never relied on anyone to like have a good race or to help me. And like, dad's always been there, but he, and like, but he's never been like the thing that I'm doing it for. And I think like still going into Tokyo, I'm still doing this for me, but with the awareness of, how many special people have been a part of that journey, both on earth, in heaven, everywhere. And also just taking everything that I've learned over these last eight years or however long it's been and knowing that it's gotten me ready for race day and that I am ready. Yeah, that's awesome. Well, I wish you the best of luck, but you don't need luck because you have the strength and the talent and the all the things you need to win. I, I just am so excited that we have the Olympics. Thank you so much for being on the podcast today. I'm so excited to root for you in the Olympics. Thank you so much for having me. Thanks again for tuning in to Marnie on the Move. If you like what you hear, leave us a five-star review in Apple Podcasts. Follow us on social. Marnie on the Move for Facebook and Instagram and Marnie Salop on Twitter. Head over to our website, MarnieOnTheMove.com for more info on this episode, links in the show notes, and of course, sign up for our quarterly newsletter, The Download, to get updates, deals, giveaways, and information on future events for 2019. I want to hear from you. Email me marnieonthemove1 at gmail.com and let me know what you're enjoying, what you want to hear more of. If you have questions for our guests, just reach out.